there are some things that you just have to do while you're alive because when you're dead we can't really know a dead man's intentions be someone that if today is your last day you will not have regrets Hi guys, welcome to the Quadrat Handed Podcast. Woohoo! We're in 2024. We're excited. Happy, happy new year. I don't know if a previous episode probably said that, but officially happy new year. We're in January. We're excited to start the year and we're very happy to be here. Today we'll be discussing a broken people's playlist by Chimeka Garrix and it's a collection of short stories that just takes us through people in different types of brokenness and just really honestly explains how the characters feel and things they go through how their brokenness affects other people around them it's just a beautiful roller coaster and we'll get into discussing that much later before we do that, I think we should just pray. And my prayer is that the Lord would guide us as we discuss, guide you as he listen, that this will bless you and that he should just take control as we start. So before we go into the book discussion, let's talk about how we've been. So how have you been, Timmy? First of all, Happy New Year, people. Uh I've been good, actually, because I think our last meeting was November last year. So the last two months has been wonderful. The Christmas holiday was really nice because my employers, they organized this nice Christmas outing for us early December, which God knows I was looking forward to the whole year. <laughs> because they usually give these really nice vouchers with like money inside. So that's what I was looking forward to. So it was nice. Well, I finished spending the money, so yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. But it was nice. It was fun because we got to go to another county in Ireland and it's making me uh, eager to go on more trips around Ireland. So because I'd already spoken to my flatmate, she has a driver's license, so she just rent the car and let's just leave and just go somewhere. So it was really nice. The holidays was amazing. I met with family, traveled with a friend. We went to Berlin. So this is the second time I was going, but I, I was really happy to go because I got to meet a friend there and like visit their Christmas market. So that was like the highlights because that was why I went to the first place, Gastic Christmas market. <laughs> So it was nice because I spent New Year's there and I spent Christmas in the UK. So it was also nice seeing family members in the UK and came back to Ireland. So came back to reality. Work started like the day after I got home and I was just grumpy that first week. But now we are just slowly getting into the usual routine. So it's been good so far. I just want to thank God for making it to see a new year. And I really cannot wait for what it has in store for me. And I can't wait to see what this new year births. Let me use that word. So looking forward to new things. I'm not the kind of person that has resolutions. So, but because I just continue my life the way, you know, it just continue. <laughs> So I'm not going to put that much responsibility in my head. If I want to change my life, I'll change my life. Whether it's in July, whether it is in October, whether it's in March, it will shall change because it's my decision. So, but, you know, just trying out new things this year, you know, visiting more places, traveling. So, yeah, 
yeah, basically that's some <laughs> sums up my past two months, what I did and you know, just can't wait for what this new year holds. So thank God, Sham. It was good. So how about you? Do maybe like what did you do? Did you win the lottery? You know, mm-hmm. what happened? <laughs> Well, I already have the lottery, which is the Lord Jesus, who owns the cattle, cows, and hills, who owns the earth. He's my father, so you know I'm the richest of them all. <laughs> For me, a highlight of my December was taking a break finally. So I worked hard a lot so that I could be able to have that holiday time and spend time with my family. I have my sister, my auntie, my cousins. And we went to Philadelphia and I just rested. I did nothing. My plan was to not do anything serious, just allow myself to breathe and think about what I wanted in the new year and how my year has gone. Just kind of like auditing my life to see what I would like to stay and what I would like to go, basically. So one of the things that... I did, I really liked, was seeing Samara Joy. My sister surprised me with tickets. So we went to see her. It was so beautiful. She sings like a bird. Like her voice is so amazing. And she sang her album, her grandpa sang, her dad sang with her. And it was just beautiful. And then not seeing her. I don't know. I think he was in his 90s. I don't remember exactly how old he was. But seeing him dance at the end, even when, you know, they brought him in. It was just so beautiful. And he sang um, It Is Well With My Soul. And it was just beautiful. So yeah, if you haven't listened to Samara Joy, you should. Her voice is amazing. And she's a jazz artist. She's 23 and she has two albums and she has already won two Grammys. So yeah, she's cool. What else? I started the new year like you. It's just like, what the heck? We have work and stuff. But because I had rested, it was a very nice start for me. But at the same time, I very quickly became aware of the fact that I have work to do. Like it just started piling up. But I'd already made up my mind of some things I wanted to add to my year and change, which was making new routines. So I made sure that I studied the word more because my goal this year is get closer to God, get healthier. And I've forgotten the last one, but I'm doing it. last one but yes I've been working out like five times a week I have been studying the word getting to know God and that's just really my mission this year to do this year with God much more better than previous years and I've been discovering stuff that I never knew so it's been really nice I've been good you know there are ups and downs here and there but the beauty of being in any of those ups and downs is remembering that God is with you in in both situations. So when you're feeling down, you reach up and be like, God, please help me. And literally just saying, God help me or even help is a prayer in its own because he can hear you and he can hear your heart and he knows what you're saying. So it's just been really comforting for me in each time, even when it goes, just remember that, okay, I'm just going to be honest and tell God how I actually feel in the good and bad and just make sure that I put him, acknowledge him in all I do so that he can direct my path. So, yeah, that just have been, it's been so much in January so far, but I'm really, really grateful for where I'm at now as a person. So, yeah, that's me. Now we can go straight into the book discussion. So for this book, we're discussing a broken people's playlist and it's by Chimeka Garrix, as we mentioned earlier. 
and we'll just briefly say what we like about the book and just what caught our attention just generally. So for me, I really liked, first of all, I like the cover of the book. It's very creative. It's beautiful. I like the title because it really is a playlist because there's music that inspired the author to write the books. So I read through the author's note at the end. And he talked about how, you know, he didn't really know what to write or where to start from after his first book, Tomorrow Died Yesterday, which I should read. And we probably would read much later. And writer's blog and he was listening to music and he started writing. So the music was playing as he was writing. So I just love that combination because I'm someone who loves music. And if you do like all those song association stuff, like if you just name a word, I could tell you a song most likely um, that comes to my mind. So I just thought that was very beautiful that someone could even use that kind of association, like song association to write a book or write a story. And it's really nice how some of the characters enter each other's stories. So the book is connected. It's not just like other short stories where it's like separate. The book is flowing. There's a doctor that is probably the same OBGYN for all the people in the book. You know, there are places that are very similar, that repeat itself. And it just makes it flow. It makes it comfortable. So for me, I read it during lunch. At first, I read it during lunch sometimes. I just read like one story or two. The stories suck you in. Like he's very good at keeping the details without giving you too much. And they just suck you in. You you read it and you are in the story. You feel the characters, which makes it hard when they're like some, you know, very sexual parts and you're like, no, not a lot. But like when they have that, because you're already sucked in, it's kind of like, oh my God, do I want to be reading this? And you start to like, you know, get through that. So if that is something that, you know, you don't like in seeing books, just be aware this, that it has some of that in the book. And... Yeah, but aside from that, like the stories are very captivating. They bring you in. They are warm. You can definitely see a lot of people, you know, going through this. Like it's honest. It's people's stories. It's almost vulnerable. You know, I think that's a way to describe it. You know, it felt like the author poured his heart into the book. And I like what he said at the end in his author's notes. He said... Looking back at most of the stories, I'm pleased to see common themes, a broken people's search, conscious or not, for redemption, for a feeling for the God-sized hole in their soul, for forgiveness for themselves and from others, and a soft reminder that as cliched as it may sound, the thing that really matters in this short life are love and family. And music, of course. I'm old fashioned, so I'm hoping that people who read these stories will discover these and other themes for themselves and that some who will need it may be gently nudged down the path of reconciliation and healing. If that fails, I'll settle for the hope that the stories will provide some entertainment and an interesting way to pass time. So that was just a clip of the author's notes. I thought the author's note was very personal, very honest. I just loved how it was even written. And I love how the stories were also set in Port Harcourt. That's something that I don't usually see. Most of the books I read are set in Lagos or set in the capital. So it's nice to see a book, you know, set in that way. And you could also play the music as you listen to it. But personally, some of them, I didn't listen to the music. Some of them, I listened to the music after, just because of time. 
but it was very beautiful. I loved being sucked into the characters and just seeing familiar characters in other stories was a highlight for me. Also, the book was written in first person, second person, you know, third person. There were different, you know, forms of writing books, even changing timelines. And if you're a writer, it's just something that you can also learn from. Like it just has a lot to learn from. Then... Yeah, I also loved seeing the names, like the names were names I'd never heard of. I think only Idara I've heard before. The rest of the names I've never heard before. So it was just a really different type of read. And it was nice to see people's lives and just see them search for that healing and, you know, hope at the end. So yeah, Timmy. Yeah, thank you. You've covered basically everything. It's a very interesting book. I actually loved the book. I, I think the one thing I like about it was how he linked them. Like he, they were all based on, you know, song inspirations, like inspirations from songs. So reading them then, I think I listened to the songs, the music before reading the stories and I think some that I, I did some I did afterwards so then I was reading the lyrics of the songs because I think it was only one of all the songs I was actually familiar with so I could see how like it matches to what it is that I was trying to pass across in a story another thing that I like about the book was the author was able to touch very important things about the book, things like police brutality, things like abuse, things like um, daddy issues. So all these stories, I'm pretty sure like very few people can, you know, a lot of people, not few, a lot of people can relate to the stories and would be able to, you know, understand what message is being passed across. And it was also sad, you know, a lot of the stories were quite sad. So some were so sudden i was shocked i think towards the end of the story i think the last story there was a part where i was shocked it just brings a lot of emotions out of you which you know it's a good thing i want to believe every author that writes a novel or a book or stories that's their intention so that the person reading would be able to understand the books on a certain level be able to relate so i also like the fact that you've already spoken about it the stories were set in Potakot, which is a city in the southern part of Nigeria. And also he spoke about tribes that once again, I did not even know, you know, existed. So I went online to check them out. I was like, OK, you know, they were also part of the hundreds of tribes in Nigeria. So that was one thing as well. Yeah, that was it. So I think we can just like talk about certain topics in the stories. I think some topics will cross through two stories you know they're relevant in more than one or two stories so we can just touch on that basically yeah so i'm going to start i think there was a story in the book which is i think the title is hurts so it had to do with abuse i think that was one thing that struck me in that story and how common it can be that story started off as one wanting to feel sorry for the person in question, like the person they were speaking about. The first person in the story was a man called Priye, and he was talking about his brother, Dami, Damiete, who had cancer stage four. I think he just had a very few weeks to live. So what Dami was doing at that moment basically was hosting his own funeral 
So he wanted to see how it was going to be like, you know, just a mini party before he goes. And he had his mom there as well. Uh, she wasn't up for it at first, but then, you know, it was one of the few, you know, last few wishes of Dami and she eventually gave in to the idea. So they spoke about how Dami was sick, you know, and the kind of person. Then the author went into who Dami really was and at a point, I was like, should I really feel sorry for him having cancer and all? But then nobody deserves to have it, no matter how bad you are. So um, Dami apparently was one of the three kids of Priye's mom. I think Kalada was the first child who had died when he was a teenager. Priye is the second boy and Dami is the last child. And Dami was the apple of his mom's eye. So she spoiled him, basically. And that kind of affected the way Dami grew up. He felt like he could be carefree and do whatever he wanted, never took responsibility for his actions. And their father was well-to-do because their father had left them a company. And their father died a year after the first son died. Dami maybe that must have taken a toll on who he was and also in addition to the way the mom raised him he did whatever he wanted to do did drugs he drank he dropped out of school and the mom convinced his brother for him to go abroad which he eventually did but then that was also futile so he didn't really do much over there only for him to come back and he decided to work really hard the first year in that father's company and did that then embezzled funds. He had a wife at that time and he maltreated her, abused her. There was a part of the book that said he beat her till she broke two ribs. I think she broke her ribs and he basically knocked her out at a point. Like her body was filled with blood. I think she had blood in her mouth or so, but he had abused her seriously. I think that was great. So she left. So he was a wife beater. He was spoiled. He didn't take responsibility for his actions. He embezzled fund in his father's company, which affected the company so bad. But the brother had to work out to make sure the company came back to how it was before. I think he worked and he earned twice what Dami had embezzled because it was in millions. So after that, he got angry with his brother only for him to hear that his brother had cancer. So he hadn't spoken to his brother for like years. And the brother felt bad for the wife he had maltreated. He knew she had a baby who the mother knew as well, because there was another story that that was spoken about, which was Love's Divine. In that story, they spoke about the fact that Dami actually had a son called JJ. And Grace found JJ's mother. Grace found an amazing man. And she got married to the man. And they had to break the news to JJ that the man wasn't his biological father. But then he also cared for him as his own. So, you know, those two stories, we could see that the immaturity of one person and the selfishness of one person can really affect generations like his family his child because he had a strong relationship with his brother the woman that he had beaten and also his child so he did try to make amends you know he left trust in his child's name gave some money to the lady but then that was not enough really because what the lady had experienced in that marriage broke her and 
you know, so many things came rushing down when they broke the news to her that, oh, Dami left shares and stock in the son's name. He just left a lot of things in his name, you know, inheritance for his son. And she was just questioning how, where was this money when she needed to do atinatal? Where was this money when the baby was a premature baby, when he was sick, when he broke his ankle and he had a fracture. Where was this money that why is he trying to make amends when, now that he's dead? And it just got me thinking that, you know, it gets to a point that there are some things that you just have to do while you're alive. Because when you're dead, we can't really know a dead man's intentions. We don't know anymore. We don't know if he was really truthful. We don't. We can't say, you know, I know that, yes, the man was, well, towards the end, he was remorseful, having left that amount of money for his son. But there are some things that you need to actually show while you're alive because when you're dead well dead men don't speak so yeah that was actually quite an emotional story you know and this all started from from a woman who decided that okay you know i don't know why she decided to not raise him as well as she did her older brothers or allowed him to get away with everything it will seem small now but then it would graduate to something else and that could destroy other people's lives. It could make other people's lives traumatic at a point. It would make them experience traumatic situations. So yes, that was one story that stuck with me. So do maybe if you have any. I really, really like what you said when you said we should do what we want to do now that we are alive. Because we know tomorrow is never guaranteed. He could never have predicted that he will have cancer or, you know, all the different things that happened to him. Like today... Be someone that if today is your last day, you will not have regrets, you know. And I really just like that. And I wanted to emphasize on that point, like you said. And you mentioned some things that made me think. You mentioned about how the mom treating him in that way, thinking she's just being kind or thinking, oh, it's just my baby. It's okay. You know, let's, let's just forgive him this time. And every time you keep, you know, letting things go to the point that you even let this guy who is irresponsible run away to the UK by himself. We didn't even know then that he was leaving because he had made somebody pregnant, you know, and the mom was helping him escape. And all these things just build up. Like you mentioned, there are many other people that are affected by all these actions that seem like they are not a big deal. Ah, it's just my baby. Oh, I'm just going to let this go. No, like you mentioned, disciplined the same way that you disciplined your first child. Like, and I know with time... (sighs) Parents do get like kinder as they grow older and they are caring and it's nice. It's really nice to see. But even if you can't remember, even if it's a different type of discipline, just helping your child just have that belief of what you can do the best way you can of what's of morals of what is right and wrong, you know, and introducing them to God. If you know God also really helps. Just doing your best to make sure that when this person goes outside, they're not a wrecking ball, you know, because it's nice to be kind to your kids and wonderful. But at the same time, you should make sure that if you see them doing something wrong, you should just call it out because it might not seem like a big deal now, but much later it's like from doing Panadol here, there to taking drugs. You know, he came back a druggie. He came back, he stole, you know, he was not a good father. And, you know, he probably didn't even know how to be a good father because he didn't really have an example to watch. But nevertheless, I mean, he has his brother 
I don't know. I just feel like I was surprised when I saw that Justin was his son. And then he not only was he beating his wife, he had this son that he left. But I was also grateful to know that JJ or Justin, his son, was raised in a loving home. And I like the letter he wrote to his son, just saying, please don't let me be an emotional baggage. I mean, there's nothing he can do. He is something that the child will always wonder about. But nevertheless, I like the letter he left for him. He answered some questions the child may have. And I mean, the child will still have some unanswered questions. But at the same time, the letter was a very nice touch. And yeah, I'm just really happy that Justin grew up in a loving home. Um, Whether he looked like the man or not, his mom was always kind to him. And he seems like someone who is already growing up really well. So, I mean, he had that rebellious stint with the whole scam. I mean, these days, who's not scammed? He just wanted to experience something different. And I'm glad that he they realized it was a scam before it became a big deal. When he grows up, he realizes how much he is blessed to have parents who love him and care for him. Even the ones that are not biologically his, like his dad wasn't biologically his dad, but he didn't even know. Like he was such a good dad to him that he didn't even know that the man was not his father. So I just love that for him that he got to experience that. His biological father emphasized to him that, hey, listen to your parents. You know, these people care for you and everything. So yeah, it's just interesting how what you think might not be a big deal can actually, you know, spiral into all these things. A boomerang chain of, chain of events whilst people's lives are affected by it in the future. People's lives are affected by it in the present. Yeah. Because even Priya was affected by it. You know, a lot of people were affected by it. Yeah. So. There was something, I think, towards the end of the story hut that he was talking to Grace and he said something. He said that he had made the money that Dami had stolen. I think he had made it in two years. I think he even made like double what he had stolen or something in two years. But he said that I didn't talk to him for four. Then he said... In those four years, I got married. I didn't invite him. In those four years, a tumor began to grow in his head. And because he had blown all the money and couldn't afford treatment, and because we weren't talking, it grew into a monster by the time I heard it was too late. I threw money at that tumor, trying to buy my brother's life, the same bloody money that made me not to talk to him for four years. But the tumor didn't want money. All it wanted was to eat my brother. I threw money at my brother. Whatever he wanted to do with it, steal it, smoke it, I didn't care. But by then, all he really wanted was to stay with me, make up for the lost years, get to know my family, play with my kids, curl up and die in peace in my house. I'm the one doing all the buying here. So it was quite emotional for him as well. You know, even if Dami was like a pain, he was still his brother, he was still his family. And yeah, I agree with everything he said. So yeah. I'm just going to quickly read the letter that he wrote to Justin. Justin, yeah. His son. Yeah. Dear Justin, I am sorry. I missed your life. There's no excuse for a man willfully missing his child's life. Thankfully, though, I hear you have a real father and he's a much better man than I am. By now, I expect you understand that fatherhood is never only about blood. So be your father's son. Be a good one. Don't be me. Enjoy your life. See, read, dance, travel the world. But never carry me as an emotional baggage. You should know by now that I'm not worth it. I'll be gone by the time you read this. If I'm in a good place in the afterlife, I hope to see you someday. 
and hopefully you will let me buy you a drink and we'll toast to your successes in spite of me. Take care, dummy. I just loved how he emphasized that, you know, like be your father's son. Don't try to be me. Don't try. Don't chase after me. Just you have a good father and embrace that. So going on the abuse thing that we talked about, we talked about, you know, a man who was beating his wife. And here we also have sexual abuse as well, where the housemaid was, you know, abusing the son, not the son, the son of the person that she is employed for. And at the time, he wasn't even sure, is it sexual abuse, is it not? But it was really affecting his life, you know, as he wasn't able to stick to one woman. And, you know, he had a lot of trauma associated with it that he didn't know was trauma. And his wife was like... You know, you need to fix this before you go into a relationship and, you know, wreck someone else's life. But he was struggling with alcohol and different things to numb himself that he didn't know what he was trying to numb. And it was just really sad to see because you're like, who do I trust with my kids? Like if I'm not there, who do I trust? Because some people is not a housemaid. Some people it's their uncle or their aunt or just people that you expect to take care of this kid they are putting them in positions that you will never even know that, you know, may wreck your whole child's life. And it's just really sad. You can't even have people to trust, you know. I know someone who taught her child to scream and to be more open. She's like, if somebody touches you this way, you know, this is not right. Don't allow them to do that. You know, let me know, you know, stuff like that. Just telling her indicators because the child does not even know what is abuse or what is not. They just know this person is taking taking care of me and this is okay for now but then in the future they're like oh wow I was abused or oh, this happened you know and they don't know why all these things are affecting their lives so yeah I think just that keeping that in mind just being open talking to your child would hopefully help them know when the situation you know happens that this is not right and to find ways to distance themselves but at the end of the day only God can protect your child so just really committing your children to God and it's just really crazy the world is crazy the heart of man is evil and the only good thing in man comes from God because when you're connected to him he will be your moral compass and your guide when you're not connected to God, anything's possible. That's just the truth. And it's really hard to see. These stories are hard for me to see or hard to hear. And, you know, just referencing randomly, um, there was a man in the story. I'm, I didn't write the story, but he was talking about, he cheated on his wife. And he was talking about bathing his five-year-old daughter. And I was just reading that and I was like, hmm. I don't know at what age is a man supposed to stop bathing his daughter? You know, is he meant to bathe his daughter at all? I don't know if that makes me not a trusting person, but it's just a question someone asked me recently and I, I thought about it and I wasn't sure. Timia, was it you that asked me this question? <laughs> I wasn't um, sure. Really I, do, answer. I, don't, I don't remember asking you. Though. Okay, I somebody mean. asked me this question this week. <laughs> They were like, at what age do you think your husband is going to stop bathing your daughter? And I'm just like, I think I said five. But then I was not sure. I think I said two at the point. I'm like, I'm not even sure if I would let him bathe her if he's five. I'm like, I don't know at what age to stop. But somebody asked that. I think five is a reasonable age. Uh It can still, you know, because what if you are out of town? And is the one taking care of his kids, and she's maybe the only girl, or maybe she's the first child, or so. So there's nobody 
you know, because I I would want to go out of town and I trust that my my husband would take care of the kids well, you mm. know. So there are that that those instances. I think then they, they I think maybe it's she, like maybe it's, until she's not aware of her nakedness anymore, like until that age. Because there's an age where children start covering up and they're like, oh don't see me. At that point it's almost invading yeah, her privacy for him to see her. Yeah. Because I think that that's like the age where the child can like start bathing herself. Mm. Like yeah. seven. No, I think seven is the, the age. Mm. The child starts having a bath herself, you mm. know. Uh he herself or himself. I think it's around age seven or so. So I think up until the time that she can bathe herself. Bathe herself. It should be fine because as a father, you yeah. know, God forbid, I don't ever wish um, upon any woman to get married to a man that would see his daughter that way. Oh, yeah. Amen. Amen. Exactly. So up until the, I think he can up until, the, especially because my own is like, you know, if she's if she's not around or anything or even if she's around but she can't get up she's sick or she needs help yeah because you would want your husband to help maybe she's running around taking care of the other kids but then there's also this one kid you would want your husband to help especially if maybe they are all girls because if it's maybe a boy and a girl child you can take care of the girl child then your husband can take care of the boy child or so Mm. but if it's like okay you guys just have only girls or only boys you know of course, he has to help around the house. There are his yeah. kids. So I think five is still reasonable. Yeah. Okay, for sure. your husband to bath your yeah. child, you know, it's his child. So yes, that's why I was like, God forbid, I don't pray for any woman to have a husband like that because that just stems from indiscipline, sexual yeah. indiscipline or sexual perversion for yeah. you to get to that point of seeing it, your daughter that way. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think that it gets to a point with the husband. We even tell the wife, okay, I think, mm, I think it's time that I don't, you know, maybe because you know, it's looking like, you, you know, we, I have to allow her to. I think you can be able to handle maybe from five to seven. Mm. Then she then start taking care of, you know, having a bath at seven then up. Mm. You know, I think it gets to a time where the husband is aware of, you know. The, okay, this is my girl child. I think I need to step back. Yeah. Something like this. And also, I want to also a, a, a woman. I know that, yes, women, you know, of course, we are close to the with our babies, whether boy or girl. But you also get a time that, you know, there are certain things that you is your husband that will know have to discuss with your son. You know, you, you are not to maybe you're not to experience in that aspect. Yeah. But I think five is still a reasonable age. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it just gets to it. So it's not even a matter of, okay, oh, maybe the person's thinking this way. No, it's just common sense that, okay, yes, we need to start setting those boundaries, even yeah. you know, with family members. So, yeah. Okay. That's that's yeah. actually good. That's it. Because I was thinking about that. So it's just so unfortunate that, you know, that that happened to him and he didn't even know that was affecting him. But then it's just interesting because... This is him in the broken state. But then at the very beginning, I think in music, that's the title of the story. It was in music where he was a DJ and, you know, he wanted to DJ so bad, but his mom didn't let him and his parents always fighting. 
So eventually he got the opportunity to DJ, but it's just unfortunate that it was, you know, his father left them and was with his side chick who he he thought was beautiful. But when she opened her mouth, he saw a different person, you know, and it's just crazy. His dad had eventually left another woman. So I don't know. I feel like that also was one of the traumatic incidents that happened to him, but he didn't feel or know it was a traumatic incident at the time. At the end of the story, they were definitely showing some cues to show the story where he eventually married someone who he said, you know, was fair skinned and he was staying away from fair skinned women. But he eventually married her because, you know, they connected and she, you know, analyzed him, understood him. That's you picked that up. That's good because my mind didn't go there. Really? She was asking because she 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 is um, mixed. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> because I didn't think of her being fair skinned. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't even think I, I I didn't even think of linking those two. What mm-hmm. he said in the beginning in under in music and what he said in Desperado. I think that's the top. Yeah. That's, yeah. So, because later with you know, I'm, our dad was Nigerian and mm-hmm. her mom is English. Yeah, as so she, she was biracial. I didn't even, I didn't put that together. I just know he mentioned that he was like, yeah, I stayed away from first skinned women until Arisha and then Arisha was here and I was like, oh, Arisha, I've heard that name before. And then, you know, I was like, oh, is that his name there? So yes, that's why I put that. His story caught me, I think, at that moment because, you know, he was very in love with music. He used to make, like, playlists and he really, really could gauge a crowd and know when to make them move and what to make. He was in love with music. It was his thing. And to know that he grew up not just to be a DJ, but to be on radio was really nice. And turns out he was actually born in London, but raised in Port Harcourt. So he's very much more Nigerian than British, even though he's British Nigerian. So it's nice to see that representation here because I feel like a lot of times when they talk about like when someone has dual citizenship and they're also Nigerian I think it's not always talked about enough when they grew up mostly in Nigeria and then moved to the country that they were born in. Usually they tell stories of people who were born in Nigeria and moved or people who were born there and lived there all their life. So it's nice to hear this storyline as well. So yeah, he was more Nigerian than British and it was really nice that they still connected and he, you know, she shared her own British side, helped him see the British side and he, you know, shared the Nigerian side. So it's nice that they were able to connect and it was nice to see that he was on the journey of healing towards the end too, just making peace with it, her helping him deal with, you know, the trauma he experienced and yeah, it was nice to see him on that path. Yeah, so I agree with what you said, but I just wanted to link that abuse part. So the sexual abuse was also mentioned in the end. The story was just subtle and it was rape in marriage. So the author also spoke about that in the last topic, which was you supposed to know. I think that was inspired by one, because I, I listened to the music and I loved it. So it was like the perfect music, like it was the perfect last song. And I was like, oh, I'll listen to this again by Bez and Yemi Alade. The story was basically about the doctor's parents, the father, 
mom was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and the mom was just taking care of him. So he had to be admitted immediately and she stayed in the hospital ward with him and she was talking to their doctor who was taking care of them and she just mentioned that she met this man like after she had divorced her first husband and oh why you know i think she mentioned that the first husband had raped someone and she believed because she said that he also raped me in the marriage but there was no law because there was the whole oh a husband cannot rape quote a husband cannot rape his wife so that was mentioned. And I know that something like this, you know, people come out to say things like, oh, you know, they are being sexually harassed or abused by their own spouse. And because I want to believe it could be both ways. And, you know, people just keep quiet. They're like, oh, but it's your husband. You know, these things are depicted even in movies and dramas and they see all these things. So definitely it's something that happens in real life. So, yes, yeah, sexual abuse can even happen in marriage. And I was, you know, it was really nice to see the author talk about all those things because things like that, they're always like suppressed and, you know, people don't talk about it too much. Maybe the victims cannot come out because they'll be embarrassed. Oh, it's my spouse. Nobody will believe me. Or they'll say something like, oh, she be were enjoying it's something weird and it was a good thing that you know they mentioned that so that's also sad but I was really happy that she came out of it she was a lawyer she even defended herself which was really cool like I was like oh my and this was in the 70s and she was a female lawyer defending herself in the courts to divorce this man that rapes her in the marriage and I was just thinking about her because I'm like, oh my goodness, this is what she was being really, because she was grilling him in the witness spot. And definitely she would know how to do it because she's the one experiencing it firsthand. So it was so sad. It was really bad for the guy because now she's the defendant lawyer and she's also the defendant. So it was just nice to see, you know, and she came out of that basically like a phoenix. She came out, she met this amazing person. And that story shocked me because apparently she was the one that died. And I was like, what? I had to go back to read because I was thinking it was the husband who was just diagnosed yeah, with type 2 diabetes. Expected. But it wasn't, it wasn't following the dietary plans that was, you know, given to them by the doctor and they had to prescribe insulin and all that. Only for the doctor to get that, oh, he's in the hospital and the nurse mentioned the last name. So obviously she would think it's her patient and not the wife. Apparently she had ruptured aneurysm in her brain and things like that you don't tell. I think I said it in Grey's Anatomy. There was one scene that somebody was just walking normally, you know, he was just doing his own normal thing and that was it on the spot, ruptured and dead. So it was quite, that part was quite sad, actually. It was really, really sad. And I don't know, maybe because I've experienced, no, not directly, but someone around me losing his wife. And they mentioned something that a big hole is left. So even when the family, you know, they, they can only try as much. But they can never fill that void, especially if one loses their spouse. So I was just like, yes, like this, I can actually confirm that that's very true. No matter how hard you try, yes, they have that, but that their best friend like this gone. And it just gone because towards the end of the story, the doctor was talking to her husband and she was just thinking that, oh, you know, she's just thinking that one of us is going to die first. And me, I was like, I've been thinking about this even before I <laughs> husband it's not funny but it's true you know it will get a point that one will go first and it's would be devastating for the other person 
and the husband sends up me about, oh, okay, that means that like you, then they'll die together, which <laughs> are you trying to make, make her feel better? We don't know. But it's just something that I just picked up and I was like, this is very true. You know, we see couples and all that, but you know, that's it. Enjoy life. But we don't even think about the death parts. Just enjoy life and don't be depressed. (laughs) Because yes, it's all going to touch everybody. But then if you start thinking about that, you're not going to live your life. So I just wanted to mention that sexual abuse part in marriage, which was talked about in the book and also connecting the story that you just said the family daddy cheating blah 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 daddy issues is serious mommy issues is serious in 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 the boy child in the girl child it graduates to something else and it messes up their adulthood if they let it through but it's something that almost likely messed them up and that leads me to story in song for you for someone yeah. which was about is it you killer or she's an architect or is it interior designer architect, an architect yeah she was an architect and she also had daddy issues and it broke her. It messed her up. And I had an amazing fiance that loved that. She loved him back, but apparently he wasn't satisfying her as he should. Then she went looking for it elsewhere and it messed her up. The guy found out and called off the engagement. You know, trying to sort all that out, she met somebody else who I was really happy made her see that, you know, you're a smart woman. You make this money. You are an amazing person. Yeah. You know, why do you do these things that you do? You know, prostituting herself to old men. And it just stemmed from daddy issues because she was a product of an affair between a married man, a married CEO and a secretary or something like that. Yeah. And he, once in a while, he just pops and he pops out, you know, checks, sees her, still was still sleeping with her mom. And she was there in the same house and it just pops back out. And it just messed with her. Like it messed with her really bad. And it's just, you know, comes to say that, you know, that's, I feel like that's devil's way of destroying things. It goes to families. Like it goes to families. I was listening to a message and how devil will not do much when you're dating, but when you get married, it will come in. And that was the whole purpose of, you know, union when it comes to a man and a man getting married having kids growing them in the way of god that was what god's intention was that was why the first thing he did was you know he made man and woman you know they were going to procreate to be fruitful and multiply in his glory basically but then devil came and just destroyed it so that's how it works it comes in destroys and it just creates a whole mess and that was what happened basically he comes into that married man's home. He meets a woman. They have a child. And now that child is messed up. The child didn't ask to be born. But because of that environment, that child is messed up. And definitely there's also most likely going to be a stain in his own family, in his own children, legal families, children as well. And that's just messed that up. Like, I think I've said messed up like 20 times. <laughs> I can never emphasize it. Like, I can never emphasize it, you know, but it makes people go crazy. So that was exactly what happened to the guy in music. I've forgotten his name. What's his name? Uh, I've forgotten. Tukwachi, yeah, something like that. So he also was, his father left his mom, went after a girl. He was also sexually abused and the home was just destroyed. I'm not saying that people that are not from, you know, broken homes cannot make it in life. No, it is not their choice. But that stuff does impact them one way or the other. 
So yes, just wanted to point that out. Daddy issues, mom, and mommy issues as well. Mothers do have their own problems. So yeah, just wanted to link that to that other story as well. Yeah, that was very good linking. I mean, you hit all the points. I don't need to emphasize it. What you said is what you said, you know. A lot of our actions affect other people, whether we see they're affecting them or not. At the end of the day, just make sure that each time you're doing your best, you're more aware. You are, I don't know if you can have like time to reflect on what you're doing. Just looking back, like some having some time each to check in and make sure that if you find that you're doing something wrong, that you make you make it right. You make you know peace with the person, so that that thing is not something the person has to you know, keep going to therapy for <laughs> if you find out you've done something wrong to someone and you feel like, oh, this is something that like, messed someone up, that like, go back and make sure that you tell them, hey, you know, either if they did it to you, if you're able to forgive and actually tell them I forgive you, that's something that helps. Or if you did it to them, like just explain how you're sorry and ask for forgiveness. At least even if they don't forgive you, that's something they can have to walk on or have to go on with. Yeah, if you can, just you just make peace with that. I was just going to talk about I die without you. And I think you want to talk about infertility in that one. I was just going to talk about how, okay, he stopped to the house girl of his friend's household. And, you know, she got pregnant. He, you know, told her all these nice words. So and eventually convinced her to go on about the baby. And from how I'm reading it, it seems she did not survive. But that's not what I want to talk about there. The story reminded me of a movie I watched. It was a Christian movie. And I don't know if I'd mentioned it on this podcast before, but it was a story about a guy who had made a lady about kids to the point that her womb was gone. And this man was about to marry someone else. And he was going to marry someone else. And then she found out like a day before the wedding. But now he has become a Christian. So he had repented. God has forgiven him of his sin. You know, he's a new creature, right? He's supposed to be a new creature. But then the past comes back. And it was a very dicey movie for me to watch just because it was hard for me to be on his side, to be honest. And I think what God has been working on on me since I watched the movie is not about that. It's not about sides. It's just more about not passing judgment. Like no matter what I see or where I see, even if the person has killed 15,000 people, you know, I wouldn't be the person to pass judgment. Let God be the one to pass judgment. And at the end of the day, if that person does come to Christ, he truly is a new creature. And I should be okay with that person being a new creature because God has also made me a new creature. I could have been in that person's shoes very much so if I never knew Christ. And I shouldn't think like I'm better than that person because, you know, God saved me at an early age or, you know, God saved me. And I'm like, oh, my sin is not as bad as their own for God saved me. Well, if God did not save you, your sin will be having worse. Who knows your situation? At the end of the day, um, I'm not the person that can pass judgment. It's God that passes judgment. And once you are saved, you're truly a new creature. All things are passed away. God has forgiven you and the Holy Spirit. Jesus has made you righteous. He's, you know, you are righteous by faith, not by works. 
and the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you, guiding you, and it's such a blessing. So just really for me trying to wrap my head around just how much God loves us, like no matter how bad what we did is, no matter how the world will condemn you over and over for something that was in your past, God does not condemn you. And once you have giving your life to him. He doesn't condemn you. He accepts you. He hugs you. He tells you, welcome home. And for me, it's just understanding the magnitude of God's love for us. I think I saw an analogy. It was on Instagram. You know, there was a judge. He's a fair judge. So the guy that was he was growing up with and friends with came as one of the defendants that committed some atrocious things. You know, he had to sentence him to prison, but then he paid for his bail and he still got him out of prison and set him free. And it's not like the perfect analogy, but it's just kind of like, yes, God still, he's still a fair judge. But at the same time, when we come to him, he sets us free from all sorts of things. And sometimes what is even holding us back is not even that God loves us and doesn't condemn us anymore but it's the fact that we don't forgive our own selves and that's another thing to have to deal with it's like god has forgiven you and you also have to forgive yourself that's what came to my mind as i was reading it just thinking about that movie so i wanted to share i could quickly just go into the next one there was one talking about you know cults and just different um i forgot what he called them but they are basically secret cults yeah, like fraternity, secret cults. Well, there's a name he called them. I've forgotten the name. And Confra. Yes, yes, Confra. So I think it's, it's the short form of confraternity. Ooh, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are like secret cults. And he talked about one that two friends joined. And it was love that brought them out of it. When they fell in love, they realized how bad what they were involved in was. And one died. You know, but that was not what I, you know, really took from that. So he was dealing with this pain for many years. He would cry at random times, which I relate to because when things pile on me, I do cry at random times. I've cried at your presentation. I've cried at <laughs> things that yeah, they are, they are serious and you shouldn't be crying. I'm suddenly shedding tears and people think, what's wrong with this girl? But it doesn't happen to me like that anymore. Thank God. But it's what happens when you don't deal with something going on in you and it builds up. So... He cried at random times and eventually his wife, you know, told him about prayer journals that she writes and how she's just, you know, pouring out her heart to God and everything. And he decides to try it. And I love how he showed that the guy was the one that wrote the story that we're reading. So that was very beautiful to see. That was one of the stories that he wrote when he was pouring his heart out. And I just thought that was a beautiful thing. Like when you're not able to speak or share what's going on in your mind and it feels like everything is piling up, a very effective way of praying is just writing it out. Like if you're a better writer than speaker, you know, it helps you clear your mind. It helps you connect the dots. It helps you just be honest to God. Like even as you're writing, just be fully honest because God can already see your heart and just pour it out. You know, dear God, this is a situation. I don't like it. You know, don't be afraid to tell God the truth about how you're truly feeling because that's what he loves he loves you as you are as you are coming to him and he wants to hear how you are truly truly feeling and just you know pouring that out letting god know how you feel committing it to him 
whether you're saying it, whether you're writing it, it's just a beautiful thing. So I just love how he mentioned, you know, the idea of prayer journals in that. And I just thought that was something I needed to share. So Tammy, did you have something? Yeah. So I just wanted to mention the part. I also liked when you touched about police brutality, basically. I think there was a story there about a police officer that was about to retire from the force. And just one last thing he decided to, you know, do. They were not good police or should I say cop, like how Americans would say it. They were like the bad cops and they just decide to exploit boys, youths. And it was very similar to what had, you know, what Nigerians were fighting for over three years ago. And they had picked up an innocent boy who had just got a job. So after they had taken his money or taken whatever it is they wanted to take from him, they got a call from their center saying that there was an arm robbery. And the description of the arm robber was very similar to the description of the guy they were exploiting. And after they had beaten him to pulp, they decided to use him and they shot him and used him to replace the real Amara. So it felt like they had solved the case, but they actually didn't solve the case. So it was kind of, it was really heartbreaking because he was the only child of his mother and his mom was just recovering from tuberculosis. You know, he was really eager to start a new job and all that. He did have his weakness, you know, which the author mentioned in the book. But, you know, when the police officers found out his vice, they used it as a way of justifying their actions towards him. But that was not called for. So they had injured him badly and killed him. And this is something that is very common, you know, in whatever country, whether it's a developed or developing country, and it's still very awful. These are people that are meant to fight for the community, for the people, and they use the power to destroy lives, to make people unhappy. That was something that the author actually mentioned. And I think it's something that a lot of people are aware of. So I just wanted to point that out as well. You also spoke about that in the book. It was quite sad, though, the way that story ended was really sad. And the person who was talking about it was trying to justify, you know, he was not the one that killed. It's the partner that killed, you know. And I'm like, still, I am pretty sure because he was having really bad nightmares. And that was because of the bad decisions he had made in the force. And I don't know if he will ever come out of it. But that's what you get for doing something so bad. You wouldn't have peace of mind, basically. So yeah, that was it. The book had a lots and lots of stories and yeah. author touched on so many things. I don't think we're able to go right, but we can't give it all. So yeah, just read recommend the book. wonderful read. Check it out. Yeah, wonderful read. Wonderful read. So with that, we'll end the episode. My prayer for you is that God blesses you, God keeps you, and that you have an amazing month. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Feel free to send us DMs and comments about the books that you would like us to read and how you feel about the episode. Thank you for joining us on this episode. Check out our Instagram for book recommendations and for more information at Cuts, C-A-U-G-H-T underscore red-handed, R-E-A-D-H-A-N-D-E-D. So at Cuts underscore red-handed.